This morning we're going to talk about turning the page. But before we do that, I invite you to join me in prayer as we ask God to speak to us this morning. Dear Lord and God, thank you for allowing us to come into your presence today. Thank you that even though we are separated and in different homes and different places around uh, this community, that you are with us and you unite us together. As we open your word today, help us to hear what you speak to us. Help us to listen and help us to obey. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for being a part of our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of worship today. My name is Todd Pridemore. My wife, Carolyn, and our three boys have been a part of the church here for many, many years. But uh, that seems kind of strange to say during this time when we haven't been able to shake hands or hug or even be in the same room with many of you for for many, many months. But despite that, uh, we are a part of the First Baptist Church family, and we are glad you are as well. Um, If you are like me, you have never been ready for a new year as you are this year. Um, All the things that have happened in the past 10 or 12 months, uh, all the struggles we've had, all the difficulties we've we've gone through, have made this truly a, a new year to look forward to. Um, I have to share with you that I, I brought a wall calendar for my home, and, and about a month ago, as I was getting ready to turn from November to December, I had to laugh when I realized there was no December in this 2020 wall calendar. And um, I quickly threw this one on the ground, ran over and grabbed my 2021 wall calendar that I had all ready to go, and put it up on the wall. Um, So please don't hold it against me that I'm a month ahead of the rest of you, as far as I can tell. I started 2021 a year early. But turning the page to a new year, I think we are all ready for. And this morning, as we spend time turning to God's Word and thinking about what God wants us to hear together this morning, I thought about going back and reflecting on last year. And thinking about many of the struggles and challenges and situations that we've all been faced with. But we, we, we've done that. We, we've talked about that. We're, we're, if you're like me, you're ready to move on from that. So instead this morning, we're going to open God's Word and look at three different Bible stories. Three different characters, three different situations. And in every one of them, uh, it was a situation where people were ready to turn the page to put the past behind them, and to move on into the future with hope and anticipation, much like we are right now. So I invite you to to listen to these stories, to think about what God wants us to take as we start this new year together. And at the end of the message, I'm going to invite you to take a moment in that little comment box on your screen and take just a few seconds and to share with everyone in the congregation what God said to you this morning. Even though we're separated and there's no one here in the sanctuary today, we can all be together and worship together and sharing in that way. So I invite you to think about that in the next few minutes and then be willing to share that with others in the congregation near the end of the sermon. The first story we're going to look at today is a story um, where an act of God 
situation happened. A situation that no one had control over. It just happened and people had to respond to it. And I'm talking about one of those Old Testament stories from early on in the book of Genesis. The story of Noah and the great flood. If you remember that story or, or want to read it again sometime um, at another time, you'll remember that God spoke to Noah and God said, get ready. A flood's coming. Build this boat. Get your family on this boat. I'm going to send animals and they're going to jump on the boat with you. And be ready because it's coming. And Noah obeyed. He built the boat. He got on the boat. And God brought all the animals, and they all got on the boat together. If you're like me, the, when I think about this story of Noah and the flood, uh, maybe it was, thinking back to those days when I was a little kid in Sunday school, that all of the images I remember about those animals in that situation, they just seem so, so perfect, so clean and, and organized. You know, the animals two by two, are brought to the ark, and they, they march up the ramp in single file. Um, and it just see, seems so organized and structured and, and just nice. But the more I think about that story, especially as, as I think back about what we've come through in the last year, I can't imagine the challenges that they faced once they shut the door to the ark, the rain fell, the waters rose, and that ark tipped back and forth on the waves day after day, week after week, and month after month. The smells, the sounds from the animals 24-7, the inability to go outside and just take a walk to get away from things. I know this past April I went stir-crazy in my own home feeling like I couldn't leave the house for a week or two. I can't imagine the challenge of being on an ark with all those sounds and noises and, and animals for those months at a time. I, I'm sure that even though Noah and his family loved each other, being in those close, tight quarters, the, the disagreements, the bickering, the quarrels that broke out amongst them. But God was faithful. God kept his promise. And after several months, the water went down, the dry ground appeared, and Noah and his family made it through that situation. There's a key verse from this passage that I want to share with you that, that really jumped out at me. And I think it's so important as we think about someone who was so ready, had to have been ready to turn the page and get off that ark and move on with the next chapter of his life. Noah. And in Genesis 6, chapter 18, this is what God said to Noah before he even got on the ark. God said, I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And that struck me because even though Noah gets all the headlines in this story, Noah wasn't put into this situation alone. God gave him people and surrounded him with people to help him and encourage him and help him get through this challenging, challenging situation. They did it together. The second story we're going to look at is also in Genesis. It's a little bit later on. And this is a story uh, about a man named Jacob. 
And even though we're going to focus on a few parts of Jacob's story as an adult, um, there is a lot of background here in Jacob's life. Uh, He lived a very complicated life. He was a very interesting character in the Bible. But similar to how Noah had to deal with a situation that Noah had no control over, Jacob was in a different situation. He was in a situation where his family um, had all kinds of problems. And Jacob had to decide, how am I going to respond to these problems? How am I going to make the best choice in a terrible, terrible situation? To back up a little bit, um, Jacob had an older brother named Esau. And when Jacob and Esau were growing up as young adults, Jacob did something terrible to his brother. Jacob cheated and stole the birthright of the family away from his older brother Esau. In today's world, it would be similar to um, one sibling in a family secretly conniving and scheming and stealing the entire family inheritance, the entire family fortune, away from all of the other brothers and sisters. But it was even worse back then in this culture that, that Jacob lived in. So Jacob did this to Esau when they were young men. Esau, of course, was furious. Esau wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob ran away from home. He ran away, ran for his life. And he settled in a distant region. Back then, of course, times were much different. And Jacob married two wives. And right from the beginning of his relationship with his new family, with his in-laws, things were on rocky ground. His father-in-law, Laban, was also um, kind of a, a cheat and a swindler. And back and forth, this relationship with Jacob and, Jacob and Laban, the, this situation went. It was always full of mistrust. It was always on shaky ground. But despite all that, God was with Jacob. And Jacob was blessed. He had children. His herds of cattle grew. His, his uh, flock of sheep expanded. And, and, God, and Jacob was a blessed man of God. But after many, many, many years leave, living in the area with Laban, Jacob could tell his, his welcome had ran out. He was on incredibly shaky ground with Laban. And Jacob was faced with an incredibly challenging choice. Do I stay here and take my chances with Laban when the writing seems to be on the wall that he is done with me and he wants it in for me? Or do I do the only other thing I know, the only other option I can think of, and head back to my homeland, back to where Esau is, And where he probably still wants to kill me. A tough situation with no clear-cut good answers. But Jacob made the decision, okay, I'm going to leave Laban behind. Things are too risky here. So Jacob packed everything up, all of his family, all his possessions, and snuck away in the night. After a few days, Laban found out what had gone on. Laban was very mad, so he took off with a search party, trying to track down Jacob. And after a while, he caught up with him. But throughout this story, one of the great things is that God's faithfulness to Jacob didn't waver. And before Laban caught up to Jacob, God intervened and God spoke to Laban and said, don't hurt him. You're not going to harm him. And Laban listened. 
Finally, Laban caught up with Jacob. They had this face-to-face conversation. They made a pact with each other. Laban went back home, and that wasn't an option for Jacob. Jacob couldn't do that. He still had to move on to see Esau. There was one more night of camping before Jacob would see Esau. And during that night, there's this profound encounter that Jacob has with God where he wrestles the presence of God. And there's so much into that story by itself about sometimes when we are in situations that are just desperate and difficult and hard, we might want to just turn away from God and let go of God. But sometimes that demands that we grab a hold of God and wrestle with God, honestly. Wrestle with our faith and not let it go. That midnight wrestling encounter with God changed Jacob's life. And the next day, he decided, as he prepared to see Esau again after so many years, he did two things that were so impactful in this story. First of all, Jacob's faith in God hadn't wavered. He pleaded and prayed to God, God, I need your help here. Please show me favor. Please be with me. I'm about to see my brother that wants me dead. Please help me to get through this situation. And the second thing that Jacob did was that he humbled himself and asked for Esau's forgiveness. Even before he saw Esau, he sent gifts ahead of him, messengers ahead of him that would meet Esau first, indicating that that Jacob truly was repentant. He truly was sorry for what he had done to his brother so many years ago. And finally, Jacob and Esau came together looked each other in the eye. And Esau, someone who could have held a grudge, someone who could have struck his brother down right there in that moment, he extended grace and forgiveness that could have only came from God. And in this story, in Genesis 33, there are two verses that are so impactful. Two verses that I want to make sure that we don't run past today. In Genesis 33, verse 4, this is what happened. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept together. Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go alongside you. This again is a story where God's faithfulness is so evident in Jacob's life. And again, Jacob was not left alone in in his life. But God restored his relationship with Esau. And they were able to begin a new relationship and live together. The third story we're going to look at this morning is really my favorite of the three. It's a New Testament story. It's it's probably my favorite because it's a Jesus, Jesus story. And it's in Luke chapter 8. These first few verses in Luke chapter 8, we, we see um, kind of a, a, an, an example of what's going on. Jesus is traveling through the area, and not only does he have his dis- disciples with him, but he also there are several women traveling with Jesus. And the writer points out that several of these women had been helped and healed by Jesus. Their lives had been transformed by Jesus. 
But the woman that we're going to look at, um, starting in verse 40 of Luke chapter 8, she wasn't one of those women. We're, it's told to us in just a few verses, just very quickly introduced, that she had suffered from a physical ailment for at least 12 years. Because of that, she had spent her money, all that she had, going doctor to doctor to doctor, trying to find help, trying to find healing, but nothing worked. We can imagine, because of that, she was completely alone. She had no husband. She had no family caring for her. She was isolated. She was alone. And maybe even most important, she was unknown. No one knew her. Not even the writer of this story knows her name. She's an unnamed woman. But she was hopeless. She was, she was in a situation that she so desperately wanted to find help, to find healing, to return to some sense of being normal. That she knew that the only place she could find that was by going to Jesus. The crowds were around Jesus. He was moving through on his way to help someone else. And she felt like if I can just quietly, secretly sneak up and touch his cloak, no one will know. He has the power to heal me. He can heal me even as I don't even say a word. And then I can sneak away healed. And the first part of her plan worked. She snuck up to him, touched him, was immediately healed. But the way Jesus responds to that blows me away. He stops and makes this incredible scene. He causes a scene in this, in this large crowd. He stops in his tracks, looks around. Who touched me? What just happened? His disciples kind of almost make fun of him. Jesus, dozens of people are crowding around you, pushing on you. What do you mean, who touched you? I always thought in this story, the most powerful thing that Jesus did was heal this woman physically. But the more I think about this and the older I get, I think it may have been even more important what he did by stopping and connecting with her in a very personal way. He didn't let her just sneak off and stay alone and stay isolated. But he caused a scene so that he could look her in the eye and have a relationship with her. There are two verses here that are just so powerful near the end of this story. In Luke chapter 8, verses 47 and 48, When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Do you notice what Jesus called her? He didn't say stranger. He didn't say you woman. He called her his child, his beloved daughter. He not only healed her physically, but he gave her an identity. And for someone that had been living by herself on the outskirts, probably as an outcast, 
that was such a powerful thing that he did for her. I hope you take a moment, perhaps, um, and go back and look at these three stories in depth. Of course, I just ran through them very quickly. For me, all three of these stories focused on people that were so desperate to turn the page from a past that they were ready to forget and move on to the next chapter in their life, a chapter that, through faith in God, gave them hope and something to look forward to. I invite you at this time to think for a few seconds about what has God spoken to you about this morning. What is it from this message as we start a new year together that God wants you to keep in mind? Maybe it's a promise from God's Word. Maybe it's just a simple statement that God has placed in your mind this morning. But please take a moment and on the comment screen, comment box on your screen, please just type that in and share it with the congregation. Again, even though we are apart and we aren't together physically, that's a way we can all participate in worship together today. And I invite you to do that. In just a moment, I'll come back and share with you a few closing thoughts and a closing blessing. But please share those thoughts together with the congregation today. Thank you. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream. From Calvary's mountain In the cross, in the cross Be my glory ever Till my ransomed soul shall find Rest beyond the river Today we were reminded that even though Noah was in a situation he couldn't control, much like we've been in the last 10 months or so, because of his faith in God and because God's faithfulness to him, he wasn't in it alone. We saw in the story of Jacob how God can restore relationships that we thought were lost. And then finally, in the story of the unnamed woman, that Jesus called his daughter. We saw how Jesus so desperately desires to know us and to be connected with us and to help us. As we start a new year together, I encourage you to make sure that you stay connected not only to God, but let us stay connected to each other. Even though we flipped the calendar to 2021, Um, Not all of our troubles from 2020 have disappeared, of course. I invite you 
to reach out to the church staff, reach out to myself, other people you know in the congregation, not only to, to ask for their help and ask for their prayers, but also to share the joys of life. If 2020 was a year of isolation and keeping to ourselves, perhaps 2021 can be a year of reconnecting and being even stronger together as we live this life together. In closing, I'm going to share a very brief blessing. And I'm actually taking these words from a letter that Pastor Doyle Sager sent out to us back in December. Hear this blessing. As we move together into this time of transition, let us hold on to one another. And let's hold on to our Savior who never fails us. Amen.